This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. We're in Paragimel. Yeah, yeah Paragimel, Puzzle Galif. And this is really the, the, the beginning of Yoshua's time to shine. It says, We ask him Yoshua of a voker, he got up in the morning, and they traveled away from Shitim, which was their last stop on the other side of the Jordan River. They traveled to the Jordan River. They slept there before they were supposed to cross over. Number one, we learn over here that a person should not travel by day. That they should do it, should not travel by night. They should always travel by day if possible, since the time of day is obviously the easiest to do things. There's danger of the night, etc. Therefore, a person should make sure not to go not to go, uh, not to go at night. Oh, wonder, now, does that teaching apply today when we have lights? No, it does not when we have all the lights around. However, obviously the dangers that could exist within certain situations should right. be watched out for. So those are for sure true. Um, but there was another reason. It's pretty obvious. B'nai Yisrael wouldn't see the Nisim if it happened at night. If the Jordan River split, the nations wouldn't see the Nase if it happened at night. And there's more time for them to prepare for the Nase, to know that the Nase is coming. All of those apply as well, and that's the idea behind it. Now, there's no question whatsoever that although we say Shluch HaMitzvah in Nizokin, that Shluch HaMitzvah are not going to be damaged, right? So why should you worry about the night? No way you're going to be hit by robbers or animals or anything like that. But B'makom Hezeka shiny, right? If there's damages that could possibly happen, then that's different I mean, because that's... A- that's a difference. War, well, nobody should die then. Now, that's true as well, right? Whenever you deal with that. But obviously, Makom right? Makom shiny. And that's the Gemara Mesachim over there. So that's the idea behind it. There's another thing involved over here. There's zealousness involved. That when Yoshua was told it's time to go, they went. It's not like they sat there or whatever it was. And trust me, getting a nation of three million people together is not easy to be able to travel across the Jordan River. Nonetheless, they just got. They got up and they did it and they did everything that was there. Another thing they did is there was tefillah involved. And we'll see that that involves itself a little bit more, a little bit later on. was at the end of three days, the officers went throughout the machna telling them what was going to happen. When you see the Aram Brits Hashem right, as well as the Kwan of carrying it, and you travel away from your places, you're going to go after it. But stay 2,000 amos away from the, from the Aram Kodesh, enough to be able to see it, but enough to be able to come into the area. There are Bamida. I'll take very love. Don't come close to Since you haven't been there before, you want to know the road that you can go on. But give it space. Give the Aron Kodesh space for it to go through. 2,000 Amos is, give or take, it's about four blocks. Right? So although that seems like, okay, that's a lot, one mil, which is 0.52 of a mile. Yeah, half a mile. So it's four blocks. So yes, you can see it. It's, you know, a mountainous areas where they're going down a little bit, maybe not. But in a flat land, you can see it if there's nothing there, especially if it's more desert, desert terrain. But you can see it, but it's far enough away that you're giving it space. And they did that. Now, again, that was while they're traveling. Not when they got to the Jordan River. When they got to the Jordan River, they came back, and they were obviously near the Arun Kodesh. They didn't stay so far away over here. The Malbim says he wanted everyone to know that this is Hashem. This was not him. And this is entering a world of God. You know, a world of Gashmi. So they're going to Eretz Canaan. They should know that Akadosh Baruch Hu, you should always follow the Arun. That should be your way of life. That's the lesson to be learned over here, how they were going into the land itself. Now, it happens to be this is going to be on Shabbos itself. This is also teaching you a lesson to say 2,000 Amos that when traveling, you know, when it comes to Hotzah, they're supposed to they say 2,000 Amos outside of a city is what you're allowed to travel in. You can't walk outside 2,000 Amos. Although we know that from other places, that's from the Torah itself. This is a reminder of what it's supposed to be. So that's there as well. Now, there are three times where the Kohanim carried the Aron Kodesh. One was when the 
the Jews first left Har Sinai itself, and one was right over here. Uh, one was right over here, as well as by the conquest of Yericho. When they destroyed Yericho, the Quantum took it over here. We'll see that when they built the base of Mikdash. No, no, no. Where they, the Kohanim carried that one as opposed to the Levim. Oh. Levim normally were in charge of carrying it. Now, how many Kohanim are there right now? Very few. Very few. I mean, only four Kohanim carried it. But you'd assume uh, you're dealing with 40 years, which obviously could be, you well, can have a lot of people with a lot of kids. Children. Yeah, you'd assume. But there, there, there had to be very few. We're talking under, I mean, 20, 40, 50, especially if Shevet Levy was the Shevet that had the least amount of kids, which we've seen over and over and over again. You'd assume very few over here. Regardless, that's what they did. Um, right, we already talked about the Torah being their guide, etc. The interesting word over here, if you saw the Ksiv, is Beino, if you looked at that. And then the Ubeino uh, in Pusik, uh, Pusik Dalit. And the way we read it is Beinov, between it all together. It could be that this is a hint that Yosef Atzadik's Aron was there along with the Aron Kodesh itself. Not only was there the Aron Kodesh in between them, but there also was the Aron of Yosef Atzadik, and that's also there as well. It says in Pasuk, hey, by Yom Yoshua, Allah, Amis, Kadashu, make yourselves all the Kimach, Yasasha, Mikirachem, Nifla, Ois, because you have to be ready for the miracles that HaKadosh Baruch was going to do for you. Purify yourselves, get yourselves ready, because there are going to be miracles done. And to have these miracles happen, you have to make yourselves holy over here. Although, if you noticed over here, HaKadosh Baruch didn't tell Yoshua that there were going to be Niflos yet. Yoshua is saying that there's going to be there. Yoshua understood from the hints that HaKadosh Baruch was giving him that something awesome was going to happen over here. He already said, they're going to treat you like Moshe Rabbeinu. Clearly, something was going to happen that's going to be a little bit different. Now, it is interesting, because the Jordan River is not that deep of a river. Anybody who's been to the Jordan River knows. It's not the craziest deep. And likely, because it wasn't, pay, you know, knee sometimes, so it was at the end of the winter, and it could have been there were a lot of rains, and also, the snow came in. Right. And it, you'd assume that there are so many things that made it flow. Nonetheless, it is not the deepest river. This is not talking like the Nile River. This is not something that's absolutely huge. Yaakovina was able to cross it really easily. Right? Yaakov, who came with his entire family, was able to ford the river without any problems. So he was able to go across it. Right? Dovin when they fled from Avshalom, they immediately crossed over. It's not like they made, you know, they made crazy things when they crossed over. It's able to be gone through. So why did it have to happen that way? So obviously, it's not just because the Jews had to go through, but it was in order to show everybody that HaKadosh Baruch was willing to alter nature for the Jews themselves. That even when it wasn't necessary, necessarily, when they, were, they would go through, that in theory they could have done it themselves and made bridges that would go across. It would be very simple to make from where they were, and with, even though it was a lot of people that they'd have to get across, it could have happened. Nonetheless, HaKadosh Baruch was involved in every aspect of what they were doing, and HaKadosh Baruch was trying to show them the signs that they were going to go in with the miracle itself. Unfortunately, we lost that by Bayez Shani. When Ezra came back, because all the people, as we spoke about then, the people did not come back with Ezra. A lot of people came back with Nehemiah, but didn't come back with Ezra himself. So because of that, they lost the opportunity to have that miracle a third time. They also but lost this time they did have it. So kind of, uh... Well, Ezra was still a Navi, and they still had Chag Zachari Malachi at the time. They still had some Navi, and Hanani Bishov might also have been still alive. They would have been in Eretz all the time. But nonetheless, it wouldn't have mattered. So he said to the quantum, he said, I want you to carry the Aron Abris, right, and pass in front of the people. And they did so. They did exactly that. He honored them. He told them to pass ahead of the people, but not to come in front of them. He told them specifically they should proceed ahead of them and over there. Some say they went to either to all to the other side altogether, but regardless, they were trying to show the quantum were special. There were people that were special. I'm going to make yourself look great. 
in the eyes of all the Nisrash, you're Yedun Kasher, Yisi, Moshe, Mimach. And everybody will know that just like I was with Moshe, I'm going to be with you. You should command the quantum and say the following. While you're carrying the Olam when you come to the edge of the Jordan River, stop right there. Stand walking in in the Jordan River. So there's a lot of great things over here. There were six levels of greatness that Yeshua achieved over here. Number one, obviously the extraordinary miracle of causing the Jordan River to be able to go through, but not just that. The entire people were able to fit into this area right by the Arun Bris. As we'll say over here, it's as if B'nai Yisrael were able to fit inside this area. The Medrash says that all of them felt like they were standing in front of the Arun. Again, if you have that many people around, however many people there were, even if it was just a million, everybody seeming like they were fitting inside the Arun Bris, that didn't make any sense whatsoever. Number two, he was given the command that the, he was given the power to command the Quran and what to do. When he was first put in charge, Yoshua was told to be together with the people, to help them with the people. As we all said, it's Tavius Ben along with the Zikanim, etc. Here he commands them what to do. He is the one that's in charge over here, and he has to tell them exactly what to do. Number three, um, he no longer would have to say, or I don't know if he ever did, he wouldn't have to start his Nebulos with Koamar Hashem. Or, this is what Hashem is trying to tell us. He would be like Moshe Rabbeinu, that would be sort of like Vayidabar Hashem or Moshe Lemur, and that the word of Yoshua was the word of God. Every other Navi subsequently that came after Yoshua would have to say it as if, this is what God told me to do. But Yoshua didn't have to. Yoshua was going to say it as if it was his own, but really it was a Kodesh Baruch The fourth one is really the splitting of the Jordan River itself, and the fact that everybody trusted him, and that the waters went up, and they all said, it's going to be fine, and they all crossed without having to worry about whatsoever. Number five... Um, that you know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed the people that it was through Yoshua that it was happening. And therefore, it did not happen for anybody else. It wasn't like all of a sudden it was happening for B'nai Yisrael. It was in Yoshua's schus that this actually happened. And that was the biggest, uh, that was the biggest miracle over there. Number... Um, yeah, did I say six? Yeah, the sixth level is over here in Pasuk Tess. When Yeshua and Esau go Shuhena, approach here, Vishimus Vayashem Elokechem, and listen to the word of Akadosh Baruch Hu over here. Number six is that he was able to ask Hakadosh Baruch Hu for a nevuah whenever he wanted to, similar to Moshe Rabbeinu. And although Moshe Rabbeinu was the only one that officially had that, this is sort of the idea of Goshuhena, come here. This is going to be a level that you're going to be on that's going to be different from everybody else. Like a one temporary thing, or was it he always? This whole it's time? a great call. And the problem is, <laughs> excuse me. Um, the problem is, is that by Moshe Rabbeinu, he's separated from his wife for this reason because he could be approached by Hakadosh Baruch Hu at any time, and he could ask for something at any time. Yoshua not only did not, you know, separate from his wife, he got married after this point. Because he well, got married to Ruffles. He so wasn't married. Was he? he might have been, and he just, whatever his wife was, didn't have any children. It could be that he was already married. But we know he got married after this point, because he, he married Ruffles after this. Mm-hmm. Which means that he took that level that Moshe Rabin was on and still got married. So there's still a maybe lower he, level yeah, somehow. Maybe he only had that for now during this point of the conquest, but after once they were kind of in the swing of things, he didn't have that power anymore. Cause it wasn't you say when he comes to Eretisol and started starting the yeah. wars, etc. It's a good call. I, I like that. That's interesting. Alright, Pazik Yud. This is how you'll know that Hashem is amongst you. He's going to drive out all these nations from you. These are the seven nations of Eretz Canaan. Here's what's going to happen, and this is the sign that you're going to win this war. Here's the sign. The Arumbris of Akarish Baruch is going to, and look at what it says, by the way, Arun Habris Adon Kala Aretz. The Arun Habris of the Master of the World will pass in front of you in the Jordan River. Take 12 men from the Shatim, one man 
per shavit. But you can all kapos ragel kwanos the aron hashem adun kolar to bnei when the feet of the Kwanim carrying the Orna Bris are going to step in the Meyayard. And Meyayard and Yukurasun, they're going to stop. The water that's coming down from upstream will stand up into a single pile that's going over here. This is interesting over here. So why is it called the Adon Kala Oritz? The Arun Bris of Adon Kala Oritz. I'm not positive because I, I don't remember this anymore. Maybe somebody else will remember this. But I don't remember ever us calling the Aron Adon Kalaritz or HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Adon Kalaritz. He's known as Adonoi, obviously. But we don't see him as Adon Kalaritz over here. So the reason yeah, why... Adonai Kalaritz wouldn't make sense. Adon Kalaritz is... No, you're right. But I'm saying I don't think Adon Kalaritz is ever used anywhere else in Tanakh. I'm not positive that's correct, right? But I'm pretty sure it's not. And the Pshat is, is the Lord of the earth because he is demonstrating that he's the Lord of the earth by giving the people the land, by showing that I will give Eretz Yisrael to whoever I want to give it to. That shows that he is Adon Kolaretz over here. That's the idea behind it. There was a, a min that once asked Rabbi Gamaliel, how could you say the Shekhinah resides whenever there are 10 Jews? Can the Shekhinah reside in more than one place at a time? So Rabbi Gamaliel took the, the, this min slave and hit him on the back of the neck. And then looked at him. He's like, "Why did you just do that?" He said, "Because he let the sunlight into the house." Said Rabbi Leil. He said, "Said the men, is that a crime? Right? The light of the sun, the sun goes all over, right? By letting it into one house, he hasn't deprived anybody else of it." So Rabbi Leil said, "Exactly. The sun is one of the millions of servants that a Kaddish Baruch has. Yet the light shines all over. And if that's true, then why do you find it strange that God's own divine presence, His Shina, can fill the entire earth over here?" What Yoshua was trying to show is that the Aron Kodesh was different from everything else. That's like it in the world. The Arun Kodesh was passing before them. They'll see the Kohanim are not carrying the Arun. The Arun is carrying the Kohanim. And that we've seen before, we've heard it before. It's no say es no sub. It carries those who carry it. But this is something special. He's showing the people. He's like, you want to see a sign? Look at the Arun as it's traveling in front of you. And they're watching and they're realizing the Kohanim are not moving their legs. The Arun is literally carrying them. Maybe they're moving the legs, but they're not stepping on the earth. So somebody figured it out, probably a little kid. It's like, they're not walking. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, everybody uh, saw it. Who's the jump? Exactly. Who's the tried to save right. it for that reason? It's just clear. Yeah. Something didn't happen over why, here. Why did, why did he have to hit the slave? What did the slave do? What? I can't. We, we have no idea what it's like to have slaves. <laughs> so I, I can't answer that question. I have no idea. I have another story that I just read about something like that. And I was like, hmm, okay, that's not what we would do nowadays. But either way, Yeshua commanded all the Shvatim to choose one representative from every tribe to go with the Aron Kodesh itself. Right? And we don't, he didn't know why yet. We'll see that there was a job for every one of these representatives. But every Shevet sent in somebody to be able to go over here to be able to go through. Maybe they were there to prepare a land for the Shvatim to live on when they cross over the Jordan River. Maybe they were there to do what we're gonna, about to see over here. Maybe there were just going to be witnesses that this is what happened, that the Aaron entered the river and did everything it was, because obviously there's a lot of people. Not everybody's going to see it. Either way, there's something that's going to happen over here. And this was lucid for them. This was not like something which was ambiguous where like somebody could say like, oh, I don't know, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. This is clear that the Aron Kodesh hit the Jordan River, the river started to come up in that, like that. Now this river did not split the way the Kriyas Yamsuf did. By Yamsuf, right, both sides of the, the sea just pulled back and stood up in the air, so there were walls on both sides. Well, that can't happen by a river, because a river flows downstream. If the waters over here split and go like that, the other waters will just simply go, keep going. And that's exactly what happened here. The river, Ki'ilu, instead of flowing down, downstream like that way, the water just started flowing up, which means that the water just receded. And there was nothing. The whole land became dried up. 
from the fact that there was no river there anymore, and the water just climbed and climbed and climbed. Great call. That was one of the miracles that happened, that it became dry enough for them to walk through almost immediately, but it flowed down. According to the Gemara, according to the Gemara that brings down, Rabbi Yehuda says that the column water went 12 miles high. Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Elazar Bershimen said it went 300 miles high. 300 miles high is pretty high. It goes all the way in. But the point of all of this is that everyone in the world could see it. Everyone in the known world that they had would be able to see the river. So however high that would have to be for them to be able to see it, that's what Akash Baruch Hu did, so that everybody would say, what is that? And they would either find out or ask questions, whatever it was, and find out what happened is, over here. Is yeah. there any significance to the fact that here they crossed the yard and God commanded them to like walk in before he did the miracle? And we have the whole thing of Nachshon. Nachshon for sure. They had to do something in order for that to happen. The Gur Aryeh, the Maral, all over the place. In order for miracles to happen, there must be an action by a person to start it off. It doesn't happen on its own. Obviously, a Kodesh can do anything he wants, but it has to be that way. Whether yes, or not this they is the know action. they're doing it or not. Like Correct. Nachshon, we didn't know he was going to trigger the Kriyas Yamsu. No, right? I, I mean, he must have known something, but he didn't know that he was going to survive it. He thought he was being most nefesh for Claudius all to pass through, but he didn't think he was going to survive that. So yeah, that's the possibility. Way, I mean, if there was going to be some crazy miracle, then why wouldn't he survive? Because it might not be time yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you jump in, like, maybe it'll happen five minutes from now, but you jumped in too early. So you right, die, but everybody else right, will go right. through. Maybe that mysterious nefesh would be enough to be able to allow everybody else to go through. So he's willing to die so that everybody else, like, see how Kaddish Baruch I'm willing to die for them. And he meant it. If he didn't mean it, he was just like, any time now, <laughs> then it wouldn't have worked because he would have been doing it for himself and that wouldn't have been enough to be able to save Claudius Yisrael. But mysterious nefesh means you know you're going to die or you expect to die and that's that. Same thing with Avram, you know, like Avram, you know, jumping into the Kishanesh. His expectation was to die. His expectation was, I'm not going to make it. But people from now on will see my willingness to die for a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and maybe they'll take it on for themselves and they'll go on from there. It's a possibility yeah, that that'll work that If somebody saw his willingness to die and die, and maybe he'll think twice and be like, oh, well, well I don't want to do that. He was yeah, thinking he was possible. making kid as a chef. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah, it could, it, and that's part of it. The mysterious nefesh would have been yeah, the Yeah, but if shem. nobody believes in Hashem, yeah, that would be a problem. Shem, yeah, right? that would be a problem. That is true. I, it, there still might have been people. You know, he still would have had his avodim. Maybe there weren't as many. But maybe there was even one person. Maybe it's worth it for one person. Anyway, Pasuk Yudal, but even so, Ami Aleyam, Right, so when the people travel from their tents, so this is what happened. The Kwanim traveled before the people itself, and they happened that way, right? And that's that. Now, there are opinions that say that it was immediately they found themselves on the banks of the Jordan River immediately. The Aron immediately had brought them together with it, and they saw a miracle right there. As soon as they dipped into the edge of the water, well, the Jordan River was filled on all of its banks because it was the end of the reaping season. It went one pillar up. Um, uh, what does that say, by the way? Harkik Ma'od, May Adam. Right, I only have that. Right by the city called Sorson. It went all the way down to the Yamamelech. It was gone completely. The river was gone. And the people crossed over right opposite Yericho itself. That's where they were able to go through. Okay, we already said that, obviously, this is the high, highest it would be over here. He said there was a city called Adam, there was a city called Zartan. So it seems like there were these two cities to identify where this happened exactly. I do not know what other Mitzarsan is. There is a map that he gives a little bit later on that goes through, but it doesn't really help help us uh, nowadays. I'm not going to, whatever it is. Regardless, it piled up right over there. Some say that 
the, these city called Adam, etc., is really referring to Avramavinu, who was the Adam among all the nations, that he was the pure man among all the nations. It was in his chusa, the Jordan spit, split, and that's why it says it right over here, and that's that, and that's the reason why there's a Korean exceed here. That's why it says Be Adam for the Adam. That's referring to Avramavinu as opposed to Me Adam, etc. Right from the city itself, the ground was left. Be, how would that be translated? I'm sorry. Very far away from the man. No, it wouldn't. It would just be the the drush. There would be a drush made from the fact right, that it's a That's also a weird. Uh, oh, uh, far away from the city Adam, Asher Mitzatz oh, or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, from that area itself. So and, the uh, opposite was where it split. Correct. Correct. Why not? So, wait, is so no, no, opposite Yericho, meaning Yericho was there as well, but Adam and Sarson were the closest cities to the Jordan so River this was that a you could say. North of Yericho, then? I don't know if it's a little bit north or south. I don't know where they were exactly. There's a map, but I, I just didn't didn't concentrate on it. The Kohanim, the people who carried the Aron Hashem, they stood in the dry land, Pesochiar, in the middle of the Jordan River, Hachain. And all they were doing is they were waiting. And they waited there until the whole entire nation had finished going all the way through. Now, Yoshua looked at the people while this was happening and said, it's time to do tshuva. Go through. Because if you go through and you don't do tshuva at this moment, then the Jordan River has the ability to crash down and yeah, kill you. He said he's got you. Uh, he's got Osho, yeah, 100%. But what this else is do the, they have to it's do? It's sort of like their last chance. Like, I've been, t- I've been told, I remember Rebbe Kohn once, I was in Aid Kedush, and Rebbe Kohn happened to be the, the, the Sadr Kedush, and he turned to me, like, right before, and he's like, this is your last chance to do tshuva before you have to become an aide. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, do you have 20 minutes for me? <laughs> but like, it, it could be that it's like, this is your last chance in and of itself. Now, is this is 100% true. Is that just his thing? I'm sorry? Is that his thing or a lot of people do He that? does it a lot. He does a lot. I've never heard it from anybody else. Nobody else has told me. I've said it to somebody. I once signed a Tanaim. But that's because the guy really needed to do <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah. I once signed a Tanaim, which is not very like important or anything. But it is. It's important, yeah. Until the wedding. and then it's, Yeah, then it's not. But he's but yeah. like, all right, go stand over there and do it, me and the other guy. Like, and do Chuba. Yeah. Like, right. yeah, that's what he does. That's what he does. Um... It should be, as soon as they left the Jordan River itself, I mean, once they got out, the waters immediately returned. They turned and they saw that the Aron Kodesh with the Kohanim were still on the other side. They had not crossed over, meaning they kept their feet like a little bit dipped in, and then all of a sudden it came down, and they realized that it was not for the Aron Kodesh that it split, it was for them. Obviously, through the schools of Yoshua, maybe for Avramino itself, and that's that. Now, it could be that they ask a question, the Kedusha slave of Oblivious of Berdichev asks a question. He says, Why not sing Shira like by Kriyas Yamsuf? Why was there no Shira for Kriyas Yardin? And the answer is because Moshe brought them up to the level where they could all sing together. Yoshua was not on that level. As great as Yoshua was, as great as this was, he was not on the level to get them to say Kriyas Yamsuf, uh, a Shira for Kriyas Yamsuf like they did over Wasn't here. Was it spontaneous, though, in the uh, It was spontaneous. Everybody on their own did it. Why I, I, have to do with Moshe and Yoshua? Yes, yeah. I still. Think I still think that it was through Moshe Rabbeinu. It's yeah. Moshe. Then everybody started singing. Oh, that tells you that Moshe started it. The people, yes, were spontaneously involved and got the words down, which is amazing. Have you ever heard tried he singing with a bunch of people? Song His song sheets, right? They were all they there. Sang, they <laughs> there was a copy machine. I happen to have three million of these guys. <laughs> they sat in a circle and had like a guitar <laughs> and a right. Oh, how have I? Perik Dalit, like Ethan Katz, all of a sudden showed up out of nowhere and he's just like, let's go, guys. Perik Dalit, well, yeah. Hold on. Where does it say that the Kohanim didn't cross? Oh, oh we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. We're going to see that all the people cross, right? The wording over here, but you saw open the Rabbanu Shertam. 
But the quantum were not there, and we'll see right now. Take 12 men, one person per shevet. Take out, carry for yourselves from the yard, from where the Kwanim's feet are, 12 stones, pass them along with you when you cross over the Jordan River, and put them in the place where you're going to sleep tonight. Hold on, hold on. No, no, no. The, the area, the area where that's at. So he called over the 12 men that he had already prepared, because remember, he already called the 12 people over. He called them over, each man from the Shevet itself. Okay, we got a problem. But they crossed already. They can't get to where the Kohanim are. The Kohanim are on the other side of the Jordan River. They're already, these people already crossed over. How are they taking out the stones from underneath the Kohanim's feet? What are they supposed to do? So there are a bunch of ways of understanding this. Some say this was before they actually crossed over. And we say that even though they already actually crossed over itself, this is a command of Yeshua that happened beforehand, and it's out of order itself. He had already said to them what they were going to do, and now that they had those stones and they had already crossed over, now they're putting it inside the, the land itself. Others say that, no, this was after they had finished crossing. The 12 men who had been chosen before were chosen by Yeshua on his own initiative. Those are the first 12 over here. They were just supposed to witness everything over there. And now he's told, told him, 12 men, take another 12 men, tell them to go back into the Jordan River, back to that area over there, and then go take the stones. No one wanted to go back. They had crossed yeah. over already, but they didn't want to go back over there. They're worried about what's going to happen with the water. It could be that the water had not come crashing down yet, but they were worried. They were like, if we go back into the dry land, who says the river? All the people passed already. How do we know over there that they were scared? So then he called to the original 12 men and said, you saw the original miracle? Yes. Go back. And they said, sure. And they were willing to go back. So they were. The, it ended up being the same 12 men that he originally called out, but he wanted to have a different 12 men go, but they didn't go. They oh, wouldn't go themselves. That's actually pretty cool, right? <laughs> washing it off. That's, uh, that would be awesome, right? But no, I think he was actually chosen itself. But wait, so he yeah. took 12 stones from one side and 12 stones from the other side and put it in the same space? No, no, no. no. It, was, it was only 12 stones from the feet of the quantum. The question was, was this before they crossed all together or after they already crossed, but the river was still standing and the quantum were still standing there. He told them, go back. Were they and the standing like, on these rocks? I'm sorry, yeah. Wherever Literally? they were standing, wherever they were standing, well, again, the Aron is no says no sub. So no one was really standing on anything. So no, it was whatever stone was underneath them and that was that. That's what it was going to be due and that's that. Okay, the point of this, says the Rabbeinu Machai, was done to emphasize that their lives depended on the Torah that they were standing on, that they had something there, that the stones underneath them, it's not that they were standing on anything. They, were, they thought that they were standing on earth. They were not standing on earth. You're standing because the Torah allows you to stand. That's the lesson that we're being told. Take a stone, put it on your shoulder. For the number of Shvatim of Again, We didn't talk about this yet, but it's 12 Shvatim. Even though normally we say, well, there's 13. There's Levi as well as Ephraim and Menashe. Here Ephraim and Menashe are one. They're Yosef and Levi is one as well. This should be an oath for you. When your children ask you, what are these stones? You'll tell them. Oh, well, the waters of the Jordan River were cut off from the And these stones are going to be remembrance forever. Now, the cool thing about this is just this. Why would they notice this? Why would this be so important? Well, 
river stones are very different from land stones. Land stones are affected by rain and wind, etc. And they have, they're very, you know, sharp and they have like holes in them and whatever it is. River stones, as opposed to ocean stones, right? River stones are round and very smooth. So when they saw 12 huge stones, I don't know how big they were, but Gemara seems to say that they were bigger. 12 huge stones that were clearly from a river that were put on top of there. And they would ask, why do you have 12 stones in a row that are clearly from a river? And for maybe a thousand years, they would last as smooth stones. Eventually, they would be weathered. And nowadays, we wouldn't be able to find them. But for a thousand years, this lasted. What are these stones for you? What do they mean to you? They would say, because of the Mayarden. It's a remembrance of what happened in the Mayarden itself. I mean, how big could they have been for a person that carried Exactly. It? That's part of the... I mean, there may have been a miracle here. May have been. I remember it being... Oh, we're going to talk about it soon. I think it brings down. But let's see. Yoshua. did exactly as Yeshua commanded them to do. They took the 12 stones out of the Jordan River. For the number of Shatim They brought them with to their resting place, to the Malone itself, and they placed them there. So they did exactly what they were supposed to do that's that. Okay? So that's that. It was going to be indelibly impressed upon the people that they would have it, and that's that. Okay. Um, right. If it happened afterward, and they went back in order to get the stones, then it made it clear that they were doing it because of God's commandment itself, and they were able to lift it. Now, and this, yes, there was a tremendous nace over here, and this is what I was getting to. The nace was that these stones had to be big enough to represent the tribe, to be as big as a whole tribe could see it, and therefore it was a massive miracle that they were able to carry it in the first place. They should not have been able to lift it up. It shouldn't have been able to be carried, and nonetheless, Akadosh Baruch allowed it to be over here. Okay, there were a bunch of miracles that happened over here for the Jewish people. Number one, the amount of time. The amount of time that it took for all these people to cross the Jordan River while the Kohanim were standing there should have been a crazy amount of time. However, let's say a million people. A million people crossing over a Jordan over the Jordan River is going to take a long time no matter how you slice it. It's going to be a long time. The Kohanim were standing there carrying the Aron Kodesh. You ever stood there carrying something for a long time? Now, granted, again, they were being carried. But the miracle of time that it happened a lot quicker right, than it should have been over here. It also a miracle than you're suggesting because if wherever it is that it started splitting, it drained all the way to Yamamala. Yeah. So they had a pretty wide area. But then they'd have through. to walk that far. They weren't spread out across the bank of the Jordan River. They weren't spread out that far. They that would also walk. take a long time no, to get there. but they must have been spread out to an extent. For sure. Nice single file on For it. sure, but even that takes a long time. All of this would take a long time, and yet nonetheless... It happened very quickly. And not only that, but they got to Gilgal that night. Gilgal was a lar- large trip. That's not a normal trip. Gilgal is farther away. Number did, two. Did the women yeah. also cross, or they stayed till the war ended? It was just the men right now. The women came across with them, the women and children, except for Reuben Gud. Those oh. two stayed back. Maybe Chatzisheva Menasha. Number two, and here's the miracle. I, I, I thought I had the pounds over here. Abakokia, Rabbi Menasha, and Rabbi Chatinoi, they went to see the stones, and they said they weighed 40 so, which is around 600 pounds. That's how much these, these, these uh, 660 pounds altogether. Number three, there were no attacks. Why weren't they attacked by the Canaan when they were trying to cross over the Jordan River? Nobody happened over here. It, you'd think that the enemies would be right there waiting for them to cross over. It's not like it was a secret that there were a million people there. Yuriku knew they were coming. Yeah, but you see that. going up. You That's might exactly it. They were struck with fear. And it happens to be the Chivim were there. The Chivim were standing there waiting to fight them. And as soon as they crossed over... One of two things happened. Either they got scared out of their minds and they went to the bathroom of themselves and they ran away. Or, remember the wasps, the hornets that were warned about, the tzira, that Kodesh Baruch talks about in Parshish Chukas and again in Parshish Tzivarim? They sat there and spit poison over the banks 
against these chivim and kills them, which is also, it's brought down in a pusik in the Torah in two different places, no, that the tzira killed them. Gamas that tzira. Right. But whatever they had, right? Whatever they had that was over there. But it's just crazy. Yeah, but if there's a swarm of wasps coming to sting you, they might want. Yeah, I told you, I would agree. I would run away. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know because it's Sira, whatever it's Sira uh, is, Sira I, I think technically by, uh, like a black bug this big and. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't a bug. What? <laughs> that was a bird. Number four, uh, we all know what happened to Mount Grisom and Harevel. They wrote down on the stones the entire Torah. That's an unbelievable miracle. How in the world do you write the entire Torah in a day? Number five, they wrote on the stones, supposedly Ba'er Hetev, in 70 languages, says Rashi. How in the world are you able to even put anything? How do they know languages? How is that possible? These stones were not big enough to be able to do, and yet they wrote it down on top of them. It just doesn't make any sense. They put it on in plaster. There's something crazy over here. Obviously, they had a couple of problems. that they translated the Torah because it was a big deal when they translated it years later, the Septuagint. So it, why is it... The line that's given, it's a great question. The Ksam Sofer um, in Parshas Devarim, I believe, has a whole piece on this, and he says that each one of the 70 languages represented one of the ways of shot that the Torah is understood. Like Targum Targum Unclus is one shot of the Torah, of how to understand the Torah. There are 69 other pshatim based on the other languages. There you go. And I've always understood it as they go through. It wasn't Torah Shabbat Peh. It was a way of understanding pshat of the Torah. But not necessarily a more, you know, not Targum Yonas and Ruziel, which is Midrashic, etc., but an Unclus translation of the words themselves. It's a really cool idea. But not only that, they took another 12 stones from the dry land and they put it under the quantum and they remain there until today. Now, obviously, by this time, the river has already crossed over. Those stones are not going to look any different from any other river stones. But nonetheless, those stones were placed there and for a while, you could see it going by the Jordan River so they would know exactly where that happened and when it was. Those quantum stood there the entire time, right? While Hashem was commanding they quickly crossed over and they were able to go through, right? But nonetheless, the, the quantum were just standing there the entire time. It's not easy to stand still the entire time. Again, it's not easy to do that. But they stayed there. And here is the greatest miracle, and this answers your question before. How do we know what happened to them? After everybody had finished crossing over, then the Aron Hashem and the Quantum crossed over which is unbelievable. What does that mean, in front of the people itself? They passed before the people? No, the people already crossed. What does it mean before the people themselves? So the Medrash says that the Ark, again, the river already came down, the Aron picked up the quantum, crossed them over the Jordan River itself. So after the arm was straight up, and after the so river was straight up and everybody crossed over, yeah, the river came down, right, and the quantum just got up and just crossed right over itself. By the way, we didn't even mention another quasi-miracle that would be there. When the Jordan River came down, right, falling down obviously would cause splashes everywhere and make, you know, it would cause everything to go all over the place. The arm came down as if it was continuously flowing, as if it had never stopped flowing it in the first place. So it just down. No, it just came down normally and it was as if it was just normally flowing like it normally would. It was as if you were watching something happen in like 3D, 4D, four-dimensional almost, like you saw it happening right there in front of you. That's the idea. And the and idea behind this says... There's like different uh, stone formations on the banks of the Jordan that people... Uh, oh yeah, people believe is supposed to be this? 
the same way Moshe Rabbeinu's face shone. As we all said, he had a masve, a mask, as it says in the end of Kisiza, put him a mask on top of his face to hide his shine. Yoshua's face shone as well, and no one could bear to look at him in that way. It wasn't as bright. Yoshua was the moon to Moshe Rabbeinu's sun. He was like a reflection of the light that Moshe Rabbeinu had, but it was still too bright for Klai Yisrael itself. That's that. The people came up from the Jordan River on the 10th of the first month of Nisan. That was Yud Nisan. And they camped in Gilgal on the edge of the, the eastern side of Yericho, right over there. So that's what ended up happening. They ended up going up on the 10th day of Nisan itself. Now, there was the skus of the Korban Pesach. The last, day, the last time that they had brought the Korban Pesach was 40 years ago. The second year in the Midbar, or their first year in the Midbar, I should say, the second time they had an opportunity to bring the Korban Pesach, that was the last time they brought the Korban Pesach. This is the third Korban Pesach that they had ever brought, 39 years after the last one. This is the time that they're going to give it. Somebody, now, many of these people never brought one. No, I would assume most. I would assume most, because most of those people had already died. The 12 stones that they had taken from the Jordan, he put up in Gilgal. When your children ask you later on, what are these stones? Tell your children, we crossed over on dry land. He dried up the Jordan waters in front of you until you crossed over. Then he dried up for us until we passed by. Said all the people know as Yad Hashem the hand of Hashem ki chazaki that it's so strong. The man Yerusalem Hashem lokeichem kol yomus that you fear God forever. Now Brachos and Dalman Alf says if you know the exact area where the Jordan River was split, you have to make a bracha, which means they must have known where this area was for many many years until the times of the Gemara. Yeah, it seemed, but even the times of the Gemara, even the times of the Gemara, there were other rocks. The one that they moved the rocks. With, they moved a set of rocks with them, but they moved, the, but they placed a set of rocks after they crossed over. Yeah. Wait, so there were two sets of rocks? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Remember, they took other rocks and put it underneath the feet of the Kohanim. Other okay, rocks from but the dry land. Did they move those there. rocks to Gilgal? No, the rocks that were originally under the feet of the Kohanim, they right. took those to Gilgal itself. Okay, then which rocks were at the bank? Just dry, rocks on the dry land they put underneath. The feet of the Kohanim yeah, but on the those other got bank. covered up by the by the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but only oh, yeah. So only, the water. Where were the Kohanim standing? The Kohanim were standing with one step inside, right? right? Which means in Nisan the water is overflowing a little bit, so it'll go there. So most of the year it would stand outside the river itself. Just at the end of you know Nisan time when everything is flowing, then the water overran the banks. Then it would be overflowing and going on top of that. But no. normally it wouldn't have done that. So they did have the ability to do it. Yoshua himself built up the monument, and that's hundred percent true over here. Um, all 12 of the tribes were supposed to make one that was going to be equal to one another to show that they were all equal to one another, etc. And they all went through, right? And they all crossed over together. I think that's going to be the idea behind it. Um, okay, there's, there's a kasha that that's over here. Why weren't the stones placed immediately right by the Jordan River itself? In other words, to answer your question, we would know exactly where they crossed over if you put them right there. But instead they went to Gilgal, which was a little farther away. Why would they put it there? So the answer is, and plus, why wouldn't you take any of the stones and put it by the Aron Kodesh? Right? You have the Mun there. You have the the, 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 the little bit of Mun. You have yeah, the, the, the like Mata, etc. Something big happened here. So he says, those things would have been really small. If you put those inside the Aron Kodesh itself, you know, right by the Aron Kodesh, 
Kodesh in the Kodesh Kedoshim, etc. That's not going to be the same thing. Plus, those are memorials of what Moshe Rabbeinu was able to do. The Mata of Aaron, right, and the the Sinsenas Amun, those were signs of Moshe. Yoshua didn't want to equate himself to it, so he didn't put it there whatsoever. Number two, he wanted to be in a public place where people were going to be able to see there was a memorial for them. And that memorial would be in Gilgal. Not everybody's going to travel the Jordan River, but Gilgal was an area that people used for years after this. We'll see a lot of meetings happen in Gilgal. For the next 800 years, they use Gilgal quite often. And therefore, it was going to be in a place where everybody will be able to see it and everybody will be able to realize for this. The parties Yosef asked the question. It's an obvious question. Why is there no Chag for this? Why do we not celebrate Yud Nisan as the day that we entered our Tzor? Although we have Shabbos Agadol for the 10th of Nisan, but it's not on the 10th of Nisan. It's whenever the first Shabbos before Pesach is, even though in the times of Mitzrayim it's there. Why don't we have a Chag for this? A, yo- a lot of miracles, why would we have a Chag for yeah. this? No, 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 but this going into our soul for the very first right. time after a massive miracle like this, showing that we came in, why wouldn't you do that? We the answer is... Because we didn't stay? No, it's an obvious one. There's no opportunity to enjoy it. You're about to enter war. You can't make a Chag until you finish you the wars. And then they never really... Well, that's true, but still, but there's... Even if you say that, there's no opportunity to do this because they never finished the wars. Because remember, they didn't fight everybody they were supposed to, which means they never finished this job. If they would have finished the job and they would have finished all the wars immediately and everything would have been done, they would have made a chag. But because they have to fight wars now and because they stopped fighting eventually... We didn't make a chag for it, so it never we, happened. We went to go. No, but they never had this chag. It never was a chag, even when but they were there. The That's Torah's the problem. Been canonized though, at this point, so you can't. I mean, it would be like a darabana. It wouldn't be. No, I mean, you still could have it. At no, no, least I know, but it like wouldn't. Purim. At right, least, no, that's like what I'm saying. That's, yeah, it's you not going to be a but it would be in Megillus Tainus or something, but it's not even there. It's not even in something like that. And that's the question. The part of asking, why wouldn't you make it? And it really is an obvious question. It's like the most obvious thing to do. Of course you should make it that way, but we don't because they never finished and they had to fight wars now. Who makes a Chag and then fights the war? That's ridiculous. Well, the whole concept of Independence Day in general is you declare independence, then you fight the war. Every country that declared has Independence Day... Well... Well, July 4, 1776, they signed the Declaration of Independence. They didn't finish the war for like 10 years. Israel signed the, it was immediately invaded after declaring independence. It's okay, I hear what you're saying. I hear I mean, what you're saying. That's a good call. Countries do. That's yeah, what, that's a good call. I think the idea, though, is the same. Like, why wouldn't you make it at some point? The answer is they couldn't do it. All right, we'll see.